Welcome to ELT in Chile, a podcast about teaching English in Chile. I'm Daniel Quim. And I'm Jose Luis Poblete. On this podcast, we share our knowledge and experience teaching English in Chile and now teaching online. This is our one-year anniversary episode, so we're very excited. Yes, it's been quite a year since we started the podcast in December of 2019. So in this episode, we want to share some updates about what's happening in the United States and Chile, as well as some statistics about the podcast. We also want to share a Try This in Class tip, reflect about the past year of the podcast and teaching, and also share a teaching demerit and gold star. So to start off, Jose Luis, can you give us some updates about what's been happening in Chile recently? Absolutely. Well, as you know, the academic year is ending. And we, everybody knows that it's been quite a year for everybody around the world. So the second semester is coming to an end. And as you may know, here in Chile, the academic year goes from March until December. So the semester ends right before Christmas, under regular conditions, of course. And that's when our summer begins. So far, most universities in Chile will continue to have online classes, except for some programs that require students to be in a laboratory or working in small groups. I'm thinking about, let's say, med school, probably people that work in, let's say, in chemistry labs and things like that. What makes the return to face-to-face classes so difficult is the logistics of it, because most schools and universities don't have enough classrooms and space to comply with other requirements in, in order to reopen in such a short period of time. I think about schools that, you know, they need to have more windows, you know, more space, and, you know, that's going to limit everything. Another difficulty is the fact that if schools and universities would like to have fewer students in class, that would require teachers to work double shifts, you know, in face-to-face lessons, that would be one group, and the other group would have to work online. And I think that's very hard to organize in terms of time, of course, you know, and also in terms of space, but especially in terms of salaries for everybody. Yeah, I mean, logistically, that must be a nightmare trying to organize um, for administrators as well as the teachers. I saw someone share a Facebook post about a man's wife working as a teacher with classes in person and online. Her day started at 5.45 in the morning with going to school for in-person classes and planning her teaching. She then went home and gave herself the luxury of an hour for lunch and then worked online for three hours teaching. After that, she took a short break to spend time with her kids and then spent about four hours planning, grading, and preparing for the next day. In the end, she had a 14-hour workday. I've also heard about friends in the United States talk about how much more work it is teaching online. And come to think of it, uh, one of my friends that's teaching in a university here, she now has a class, I believe, of 100 students. So, I mean, the amount of extra work that she has with those students combined with teaching online, my hat is off to her, my hat is off to you, Jose Luis, and anyone else that is teaching in a score university right now. And talking about that, have you actually finished all your your university classes? If I recall correctly, you have two different schedules to balance between the two places, right? Yeah, and that's always a challenge, you know, but it also allows me to plan my weeks very well. I mean, that's what I that's what I try to do, you know, especially trying to balance work and free time activities. Unfortunately, Daniel, I haven't been able to finish all my university classes because, well, one of them is following the regular schedule, you know, from August until the middle of December or right before Christmas. But the other university I teach at has a scheduled delay because of a strike. So I'll be teaching the entire month of January. I would have to confess that's not, it's not the best scenario, you know, but I don't have any traveling plans so far in January. So, I mean, it doesn't make a big difference. Also, considering what you just said about teaching online and teaching the same person. I mean, uh, some of my friends who are also teachers, for example, in Europe, they're facing the same situations, you know, like 
having to go to face-to-face lessons and then, of course, having uh, some work online. And I think they, they have told me that it's not, let's say, less work. It's always more work for the teachers. Yeah, I imagine that doesn't spark joy. But um, yeah, I mean, obviously our students do spark joy, but having this much extra work does not. So yeah, that must be rough coordinating the two different schedules and making everything work. It is, it is, but you know, it's almost over. And I think we, we working as a teacher, let's say in universities or also at school, uh, we all know that this is, this might be a very stressful period, you know, especially the end of the semester or the end of the year, but you know, it's almost over. So that's, that's very good. How about you, Daniel? What has been happening in the United States of America? Well, the big news here was the U.S. election. Even though the election was on November 3rd and the results were pretty clear at the end of the week, Trump refused to concede to Biden. It's something that hasn't really happened before, and it's a bit worrying since Biden was delayed accessing key intelligence information and starting the transition. So, you know, the U.S. election has become a worldwide affair. Mm -hmm. And the fact that Trump was refusing to concede is such a threat to democracy, you know. In my case, students usually uh, asked about the voting system in the U.S. So I shared a cool video that explains that topic in detail. And I'd like to share a link to that video in the show notes. Yeah, you know, that sounds like a really great resource for students that are curious. I've also had some students asking me about the Electoral College. And I found an infographic that explains how it works. So I will also share that in the show notes. The other big news that we have is the number of COVID cases that are soaring in the United States. So in this case, being number one does not spark joy. At the time of recording this, we have had over 270,000 deaths and over 13 million cases. And we don't really have any guidance from the federal government and governors are left trying to figure out how to handle the situation without any support from the White House. I imagine things will go into lockdown again. It's just a worrying situation seeing so many lives lost and so many people sick. Um, I can't imagine the strain that this has on the healthcare system, on nurses and doctors, you know, that must be completely overwhelmed. Um, I can't imagine what that's like for them. So Mm -hmm. I know. And that's really sad to hear. And I think that the news about the vaccine has made people relax, you know, in terms of social distancing a little bit. And let's say uh, sometimes I see people not wearing face masks. And like, like you, I'm really afraid that we will go into lockdown again, especially after seeing what's happening in Europe now. You know, of course, that's not the, the best situation, but I think it's, it's, it's kind of inevitable, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think lockdown is inevitable for most parts of the world again. A friend in Chile told me that she went to the beach a few weekends ago and people weren't social distancing, they weren't wearing masks. So I'm worried about what's going to be happening in Chile too. So we'll just have to wait and see. And the last big thing from the United States is that we celebrated Thanksgiving here a few days ago. So I've been fortunate enough to be able to fly back to visit my dad for Thanksgiving the past three years, including this year. And despite everything that's happening, I still feel really grateful for all the positive things in my life. So that includes having an apartment to live in, enough food to eat, access to medical care to take care of my mental and physical health, wonderful students, colleagues, friends, this podcast, and the freedom to order pizza without pineapple. <laughs> that shouldn't be a problem, Daniel, but I know it is for you. Yes, it is something that sparks joy and that I am grateful for that. Very good. So one unfortunate thing is that people in the United States, some of them feel very strongly about celebrating Thanksgiving in person with their families. 
having large celebrations, even if it means potentially spreading COVID to others and prolonging the pandemic. People are still traveling, you know, on flights and things like that. Um, so I spoke with my dad before booking my ticket to come back, and we decided it was just going to be the two of us and a family friend that lives alone. And I also quarantined for two weeks in a hotel, and I got a negative PCR test before going to my dad's place to be on the safe side. I've really been, I feel quite careful. Um, I feel like I feel comfortable being overly cautious, um, and I would rather be safe than sorry. Um, so that's kind of been my philosophy. And I think that it's difficult because everyone has different ideas about what they feel comfortable doing. Um, so it will take a few weeks to see the effects that these Thanksgiving dinners and these Thanksgiving gatherings will have on the numbers. But from what experts are saying, it's not looking good. And I can't control other people's actions. I'm just trying to focus on what I can do to stay healthy. Absolutely. I think that's the only thing you can do, you know, because it's really hard to convince people, you know, this is, these are the right measures. I think we all have some sort of personal responsibility towards, you know, the pandemic or how we feel about it. But, you know, Daniel, I'm really glad that you could go back to the U.S. and see your dad. I'm sure that sparks joy because celebrating Thanksgiving for you is like celebrating September 18th for me here in Chile. You know, it's like a very big celebration. And, you know, something that we do not have here is the is Thanksgiving. We do not celebrate it. I mean, I have celebrated it with some American friends who have been living here in Chile. I actually, I think we celebrated with you a couple of years ago, mm. but I think it was last year when we celebrated it together with some, um, let's say, pumpkin pie, if I'm not mistaken. Uh-huh. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> so let's say the concept is really cool. I really like it, you know, like because it makes us reflect on what we're thankful for. And I think it's it's really good to, you know, to, to stop or to pause a little bit. And I think that this year has really made us think of our lives and how we've been leading our lives and how to reconnect with people and ourselves. Mm -hmm. So I think that it's, it's a very good concept. And of course, like we both like food, so I think enjoy some good food, right? Definitely, definitely. Yes, that always sparks joy. So um, I also enjoy the sentiment of expressing gratitude and also doing what I can to give back to others. So um, we won't talk about it in this episode in too much detail, but there is a lot to unlearn about the traditional story of Thanksgiving and the reality of what actually happened. What I learned in elementary school, middle school, high school is quite different from the reality. Um, so that is something where I think it's important to look at other perspectives. So if you are interested in reading about that on your own, I will put some links in the show notes. Very good, Daniel. I was at the beginning. This is uh, the podcast one year anniversary. So I would like to share some statistics and numbers that show where our audience is from, and also some other important numbers. Excellent. The first one, yeah. The first one is that thanks to technology, we can proudly say that people have listened to our podcast from 60 different countries. There is a long list of countries, but of course, we're not going to mention uh, them all. But I think that's something that makes me really happy. And of course, it makes me try, you know, and do my best in order to deliver a great resource to all the teachers who are listening to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So, Daniel. That's wonderful. Absolutely. 60 different countries. Yeah. And the top three countries are, of course, Chile, the U.S., and number three is Germany. So I would like to thank all those people who have taken the time to listen to our podcast. That's wonderful. Thank you, everyone. And another relevant number I would like to share with everybody is that all our episodes have been played more than 1,700 times, which is great. Look at that. Yeah, 1,700 times. I mean, I think that 
when we started this, we had no idea what to expect from it. Um, and so this is really cool to see, you know, what has been happening. And I'm not the type of person who usually focuses on metrics. I don't like to obsess over the numbers. Um, I think that, you know, for me, knowing that I'm having an impact, knowing that I'm helping people, I think that's the most important thing. But it is nice to look at these numbers and see them every once in a while. So thank you to everyone who has been listening. Yes, thank you very much. So Daniel, moving on, we would like to share a try this in class tip. So we haven't shared one in a while, but we think this is one that everyone can use. So this tip is uh, to do an end of the year reflection with your student. So Daniel, can you please tell us about it? Sure, yeah. The idea is to give your students key questions to consider and answer about what they've learned, how they've progressed, what was easy for them, what was difficult, and any changes that should be made to classes for the future. I also include questions about the completion of homework, how and how much time students have spent practicing English outside of class, and things like that. When I taught in high school, I also included questions like, did students arrive to class on time? Um, did they study for their tests? What grades did they get on their homework? What grades did they get on quizzes and tests? And I asked if they were satisfied with those grades or not. If they liked them, you know, that's fine. If not, was there anything they could do to change it? So that is something I did maybe one quarter of the way throughout the year, halfway through the year with those particular questions. And so my goal with questions isn't to make students feel bad, but to help them see how their effort or their lack of effort affect their progress. And as a teacher, I complete the same questions for my students and I let the students share their thoughts first. Because I think it's, I think we're always our own harshest critics. And then we can see how realistic students are about their progress and things. And it really makes for a nice conversation and helps students look back uh, about what they've done, but also make a plan for moving forward. And this worked well for me with in-person classes, but this year I'm going to have to create a Google form, possibly for students to complete or put something into a Google Doc. Since I'm teaching one-on-one, -on -one, mostly this is pretty easy for me to do. So, Jose Luis, do you do anything like this? Do you think that this would work in your context of university teaching? Yeah, I think it's a great idea, especially since online classes are going to continue next year. I, I, I like, like you, I think it's really important to get students' opinions and ideas. But it should be, let's say, this should be balanced, you know, because they should be complemented with the teacher's ideas. Like, like you said, we should also complete it and also ask ourselves, you know, and also ask them, you know, like uh, the things that we, we, we could do to improve our lessons. You know, we are, we as teachers are in, are in charge of planning and executing the course syllabus. But, you know, this is like a two-way street because learning process also needs students' participation and feedback. I've done this. But I think I've done this more, let's say, informally, just a conversation. But I think I'm also, I'm also going to include a Google form because this, this is going to help us gather different ideas and different types of input, depending on the question that we would like to ask. I remember that we did this in a research project. And I think one uh, there was a section that was, it was, let's say, was not really part of the, of the project, but we wanted to get some input from a student. You know, I think a question was uh, uh, something like, in your opinion, what makes a good teacher? or what makes a bad teacher, but also what makes a good language student and what also makes a bad language student. So we, we got so many different types of answers. That is such an interesting question. I never thought to ask a student what makes a good language student, what makes a bad language student. And I think that that would really highlight the things that they want to be doing and the things that they want to avoid doing. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think I, from what I remember now, some of the answers were like good language students would always try to practice, you know, do their homework, you know, try to find uh, opportunities to practice their language skills. And a bad one would be like uh, somebody who just does work in class, but does not, you know, do anything outside class. And also for teachers, you know, what makes a bad language teacher good ones where you know, teachers who would motivate them would be, let's say, would be happy to be in class teaching. And a bad teacher would be somebody who's, uh, let's say, who's not really happy doing, you know, their job or, you know, does not care about what students think. Or I, those are the types of things I remember. But I think those types of questions are really simple, but they can give you a lot of information. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. And I mean, that makes me think to um, some of my students and pretty much all my students are Spanish speakers and they know that I know Spanish. So uh, with a few of them, I've gotten the bad habit of letting them ask questions in Spanish and then me answering in English mm. without really forcing them to try to at least formulate the question in Spanish. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that's one thing um, that we can highlight. You know, what things do you think you've done well with English classes? What things do you think you could do better? And then we can maybe have a discussion about that. And it also highlights that I really need to do a better job of teaching them those questions. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, and as you said, I think a Google form would be great for large classes. You can set up, set this up with general questions about a course, general questions about your teaching, and then the reflection questions that students have to answer about their own learning. Absolutely. So I think that's also something that you can try, you know, with your own students. But I think the question of what maybe not only let's say in terms of expectations, but also let's say they, the, the way that they see themselves as learners, you know. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. Absolutely. So now we would like to move on to some key questions related to the past year of the podcast in 2020 in general. So, Daniel, do you think there has been a theme this year? I do think that there has been a theme this year. So let me play a short clip to give you an idea. <laughs> yeah. If anyone isn't familiar with it, this year really makes me think of the song I Will Survive by Gloria Gaynor. The sudden change to online teaching, combined with people losing their jobs, having to work from home, and trying to stay healthy was really difficult for everyone to say the least. With time, however, it has gotten better. I feel like we've really innovated and adjusted to do the best that we can, given our circumstances. Yeah, absolutely. I think that song encapsulates the entire year very well. In a way, we're all trying to survive and trying to adapt, you know, to the current situation, which I also think is improving. But, you know, but it's far from being over. Right now, I think we're more used to this. And of course, the way we conceive our lives and teaching is going to change a lot. And I think like this is happening at universities now. They're trying to take their teaching online. It's going to uh, this is going to take a lot of investment and also teachers time. But I think we all know that uh, online teaching is, is not going away. Mm -hmm. And you know, face masks have also become a theme. And I, I really think that we're going to incorporate them into our lives, you know, at least for now. You know, we're going to be wearing face masks. Yeah, definitely. And I think this is one thing that happens in Asian cultures. Um, I'm not sure if it's all countries in Asia, but I know in at least some of them, if somebody is feeling sick, they'll wear a face mask. And it's their way of showing respect for other people because they don't want to spread their germs to other people and get them sick. Um, one thing I have heard is that since people started wearing face masks, the occurrence of the flu has been much, much, much lower. And I think the thing is people are coughing less, you know, they're breathing in less air uh, from other people than they have in the past. So I think that this can become something very, very positive for our overall health. 
Absolutely. Yeah, that's why I, that's why I, I said that face masks have become a theme. I think that we're really going to incorporate that they're going to be like, you know, a key element for to our existence. So I mm-hmm. think that's going to be a big change. So, Daniel, what personal achievements are you proud of since the start of the podcast? Besides surviving? <laughs> of course, I think the first thing we should be grateful for is the fact that we're still alive, right? Yeah, so I think that besides surviving, you know, as a personal achievement, I think this podcast is an obvious one. So we were able to maintain two episodes a month for almost the entire year. And I feel like it really gave me a sense of collaboration and working on a project that's bigger than myself. Um, I don't know if you know the concept of synergy, uh, but it's the idea that the sum of individual parts is more than the, than the whole. And so I think that you know each person contributing what they have actually ends up being bigger than the individual parts by themselves. Yeah, that's great. That's great. In addition to the podcast, um, I've taken my workshops online. I've given webinars online, um, attended online conferences. So I feel like the shift to online teaching has really given me a new skill set. And I've also met some great people online at various events. So hopefully I'll be able to meet them in person once the pandemic is over. And we'll have to see what happens with that. In addition, I've also managed to redesign my website thanks to the amazing graphic designer that I work with, Gwen. And one of the big things I wanted to do was update it to be secure in case I start selling things in the future, doing transactions, one thing or another. Um, And I think that with, you know, the era of hackers and online security and all that, I think it's better to be safe than sorry, take that step and get that taken care of. And she did a really great job of guiding me through the process every step of the way and helping me stay on track for getting that completed by the end of the year. And yeah, beyond those accomplishments, I think there are some things that are just less tangible. So um, I've been facing some doubt and some fear about the workshops that I've done because I think that not everyone in the world is always supportive of the things that we want to do. You do find people that do want to tear you down or maybe want to sabotage you. And I said, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead anyway. And I've been able to manage my anxiety better with time. And I've been able to continue teaching my classes despite everything happening this year. And I think that this has really given us a chance to think about what's important in our lives. Um, You know, our health, our relationships, having our basic needs met, things like that. So all of a sudden, these things like flashy clothes, luxury cards, and status symbols, they don't really have much value anymore. And I think that that's something that I like having some nice things, but I don't really need a lot of material possessions to be happy. Yeah, absolutely. So what about you, Jose Luis? What things are you grateful for? And what have you accomplished that you're proud of from this past year? Well, I, I think that the first thing I'm thankful for is, you know, being in good health. You know, my family and my friends as well, like the people I really care about. So I agree with you, surviving and still being able to teach. I think that's something that we really need to uh, think about, you know, like some people have lost their jobs, but still we, let's say we've had the chance to continue work. And I think that I'm really grateful for that. Our podcast, of course, since we can still share ideas with teachers from different countries, I think this is also something positive, you know, that we get feedback, we, we have conversations with different people from different countries. And I know that we both enjoy collaborating with others and it has given us a space to that that space that we needed to create, talk to colleagues, you know, and I think something very positive has been the fact that we have uh, the chance to talk and participate in webinars. So I think that's very positive. Mm -hmm. 
The second thing I would like to talk about is a course I took at Nile in July. The course was related to assessment and how to create better uh, evaluation instruments for the four skills. I learned a lot, you know, it was tough because of, of the time difference sometimes. Uh, but I had the chance to share experiences with teachers from Europe and Asia. And I would strongly recommend Nile as an institution and their online courses for English teachers. So I'm going to share a link to their website in the show notes. Yeah, I remember when you were talking about taking the course in addition to everything else you do. So Niall, that's based in Norwich, right? Yes, absolutely. It seemed like a ton of work, but the learning that comes out of something like that must be really gratifying. Absolutely, yeah. Finally, I would like to mention two things. The first one is that I've been able to keep working. And you know, like I said before, I'm really thankful for that. Uh, and I know that it's been a difficult year, but this has been true for everybody, you know, and teaching has helped me stay sane, you know, while being in lockdown uh, and also to keep myself busy with planning, organizing courses, of course, and teaching and talking to my students. I think this is something I have to be really thankful for. Uh, the second thing I would like to mention is that, as you know, besides teaching, I also do research uh, and I really enjoy presenting and attending conferences in Chile and abroad. So I've been really lucky to share my research with colleagues in many different countries, you know, over the past, uh, let's say, five years. Mm -hmm. However, as you all know, the pandemic changed that. Actually, Daniel, it was a conference that I was supposed to go to in Barcelona this year in July. So, you know, going to Europe in summer, you know, <laughs> would have been really a really good idea. Mm -hmm. But we all needed to transform the way that we share our research and, and with the world and webinars and online conferences saved the day. So I think we both attended many, many webinars throughout this, the year. We also presented in a few ourselves. So we participated in one together in an event organized by Universidad Mayor. And I also participated in a very interesting webinar on forensic linguistics uh, with Professor David Wright, uh, who works at Nottingham Trent University. And there was also one where I shared ideas on the use of corpora in the LT classroom organized by TESOL Chile. And those things really make me proud, Daniel. Yeah, that's great. You know, and I think that the element of human connection is so important for our happiness and well-being. And the fact that we've been able to connect virtually for conferences and webinars is really amazing. I mean, could you imagine if this had happened 15 or 20 years ago? I mean, now that I that I uh, I hear your question, I think it would be impossible. You know, I couldn't imagine that mm -hmm. because uh, we wouldn't have uh, online lessons. You know, we wouldn't have the chance to have webinars or conferences. So it would have been. I th I think in this case, it would be like really like not having any classes or mm -hmm. you know like just delivering stuff by by mail. You know, mm -hmm. so I think that yeah makes it very difficult. And that takes us to the next question. Daniel, what has changed since we started doing the podcast? That's a good question. Well, there are some things that we have spoken about in previous podcast episodes that have changed over time. So if you listen to some of the early episodes, I talk about how much I really enjoyed using WebRoom as a platform for online classes. But sadly, WebRoom is no longer free. I checked, and the cost after a two-week trial is $29 a month. That's almost twice as much as Zoom, so I don't really see many teachers using it. Another thing that has sadly come to an end is the free Instagram dance workouts that MKIC808 offered during the first months of the pandemic. He's still active on Instagram, and he does fundraising for LGBTQ initiatives, so you can still follow him. Despite the workouts coming to an end, I have fond memories of dancing in my apartment while in lockdown. And another thing that has come to an end is the extended coverage for mental health that happened early on in the pandemic. 
I know that not a lot of people have a high opinion of private health insurance companies in Chile, but the fact that they extended coverage to the extent that they did was a very nice gesture. I know it helped my finances this year with paying for psychotherapy during the pandemic, and I'm sure that it's helped other people as well. So besides the things we've spoken about on the podcast, there are some issues that we're all dealing with. We're no longer commuting for classes, and freelance teachers like me, in this case, it has helped save a lot of time. I've been able to use that time to relax at home, also spend more time planning my classes. While I have enjoyed having that time at home, it has resulted in me becoming more sedentary, gaining weight, snacking more, and taking more naps throughout the day. Like I think almost everyone, I purchased some exercise equipment and told myself that I was going to create a workout routine and make healthy choices when it came to eating, but that hasn't exactly been going according to plan. And what about you, Jose Luis? What has changed over this first year of the podcast for you? Yeah, for me, one of the biggest changes is not having to commute, like you said, from one university to another, because we, I, I, I work in two places and I also have some other, you know, commitments that I have to that I have to usually do. So like you said, that has saved me a lot of time, you know, when I can, that I can use in other activities besides teaching, planning and creating materials. That's something we usually do when we are, let's say, when we have to commute and using time in between, you know, maybe to go to a coffee shop or have lunch, you know, and then we would have some coffee and then plan, you know, or work on a few things or grade some materials. So thanks to that, I've been reading more and I've also started working out twice a week, you know, a couple of months ago. And now I'm doing that three times a week. So I would like to thank Patricio for that. And that has really helped me sleep better because I think I was having some problems uh, sleeping, let's say, because I because of my I had too much energy <laughs> that I was not really using. And and now because of that, I have more energy for other activities, you know, that uh, since our activities like the since teaching is an intellectual activity and it's also a really creative thing that we need to let's say do we really need we really need energy you know especially now for the end of the semester and the end of the year another area that i would like to talk about is how i teach nowadays not only because of the pandemic but also because of the social unrest that started last year in october here in chile so the way i teach has changed a lot I no longer go to university. And I think that's been more than a year since I set foot in a classroom. So imagine, and I really miss that, you know, like being on campus, talking to my students and every time, like I would just go, you know, I, I wanted to buy some coffee and I would see some of my, some of my students who would just like chat for a bit. And also to some of my colleagues, you know, like the, the social element of teaching. However, that has also given us many opportunities to change the way we teach and how to take, like I said before, our teaching to an online environment. And to me, that's the next challenge that educators will face in the future. Taking education to online platforms, let's say, but taking an education really online, not just sharing videos and creating, you know, presentations and creating special content for that. Definitely, definitely. I mean, you, you just said a lot um, of really great stuff. And I think one thing that I do have to say that I admire about is how you not only created a workout routine in lockdown, but you have stuck to it. And I know that that's something that would be so beneficial to my overall health, but I really struggle with getting started and following through. And yeah, I hear about from so many people about how they miss the social element of teaching. While we do see our students, it's just not the same as being in the same physical space as them. And while I think it is important to keep ourselves safe from the virus, I do worry the kids' social development is suffering when they don't have physical contact with their friends and kids their age. And I remember a friend who was a French teacher. Um, at her school, I think that 
they just announced from one day to the next that they were going to online teaching. And then I think that at one point in July or August, she was allowed back into her classroom. And she said it was just so strange because she had her planner out. She had on the whiteboard written out what her agenda for the next day was going to be. Um, and like she had all these things as if, you know, she was going to be going to school the next day. Mm. So um, I think that that's one thing, you know, that has drastically, radically changed. Yeah, and I think that's that's going to continue uh, to be a challenge, you know. So that's, you know, for our next question, Daniel, we have the following. Let's say trying to connect, let's say, both uh, topics. So, Daniel, how has the podcast helped us? Let's say in, in this way, how has the podcast helped you? Yeah, you know, I think this is a really good question. And I can't speak for others, but I imagine what we've shared has helped people. Despite that, it's a two-way street. And I think that we've also benefited from this podcast. I mean, this has given me something to focus on, to look forward to during the pandemic. Something, you know, um, not quite related to my classes, but a project in the area of teaching. And another thing is that living alone is nice in the sense that I don't have to worry about negotiating space with other people. You know, I don't have to worry about what other people are doing. The downside of that is the isolation. So this podcast really gave me something to look forward to. And just knowing that I'm giving back to other people and helping other people, I think, has been really, really gratifying. And I don't know if you feel the same way about this, Jose Luis, but I feel like it's challenging to find ways to volunteer and help others in Chile. And over the years, I've received the help, kindness, and generosity of so many people to help me become the person I am today. And now that I'm in the position that I am, where I feel like my finances are under control, you know, my career is going pretty well, I feel the obligation to pass on the good karma and pay it forward. And I see the podcast as a way of kind of, I don't know if this exists, but the idea of digital community service. In addition to that, there's something that's hard to describe about working on something that's bigger than yourself. As I talked about earlier, synergy, you know, the idea of a sum being greater than the individual parts. You know, there's no way I could produce a podcast like this without your help or the help of the people that have done the production, the website, the logo design, and all the other things that happen on that happened behind the scenes. Yeah, I think I agree with you, Daniel. I think it's challenging to find ways to volunteer, help others in Chile, because uh, most people feel that this is something that has to be done, let's say, through an institution. And sometimes we want to do things in an easier way. And that's why I think that giving back to the community is something that I really want to do. Like you, Daniel, I've received the help and support from many people throughout my life. And I think we both agree that uh, the main goal of that's the main goal of having a podcast, you know, share what we do with other teachers, learn from each other, you know, and, and I really like the way you work and how professional you are. And I think that's why I really like doing this with you. And, and I for me, it's really difficult to think of another person to do this podcast with. Fortunately, Daniel, during quarantine, we had something to work on, which was the, the podcast, you know, like planning. And I remember having really good memories of our conversations on Zoom, you know, to discuss new ideas how to make this podcast grow, how to, you know, how we teach certain, you know, elements, how we deal with certain, you know, with, with, the, uh, with I don't know, work pressure or, you know, just life in general. So I think this is also, uh, th that's been really positive. And doing this podcast, Daniel, we've received lots of help from many people, like you said, and everybody contributes to it in different ways. And of course, we have many ideas to, tr uh, to try new things, you know, how to include more people as well. 
some of my colleagues and students have have given me really positive feedback. You know that uh, I remember one that uh, one student who uh, sent me a message today, like saying that she had to take the uh, TOEFL test, so she would like to take it, and then she listened to that episode, so she really let's say found it helpful because she was uh, she said like our tips were really like uh, simple and really down to earth, like nothing very complicated, and she really she, she and she really needed that. Oh, that's wonderful to hear. Yeah. And I mean, I really appreciate your words about, you know, uh, the gratification of working on this project with me, because I think that this is a thing. Everyone's personality is different. Everyone, you know, um, has different work styles. People, um, you know, um, they have different levels of dedication that they have, um, you know, and I think that doing this project with you, I feel like we complement each other with our personalities. Yeah, and yeah. you know, I think it work. I think it works out pretty well. I mean, we've managed a year so far, you know, and I I don't think I could imagine doing this podcast with anyone else either. So <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I also thank you because I think it's been. I mean, this is something that you know makes us happy. So I think this is uh, a space to share, like we said, and that's why we're going to move on to the next question, which is Daniel. What are the top resources that you have discovered in our first year of the podcast? Another good question. So. I think that I have to consider various categories of resources. First off, they're the ones that I've actually used. Then, they're the ones that I've heard about, but haven't really gotten around to fully exploring or using. So first off, we do have the staples, Zoom, Google Docs, Google Forms. I think that everyone is using that in one way or another. So those things are a given. As for other things that I've used, Focusmate has completely transformed my productivity. I talked about this back in episode 17, and I found that I can now easily schedule sessions and structure my day to get things done. In a typical week, I'll have between 15 and 20 sessions, and in addition to getting a lot of things done, I've gotten to know some pretty interesting people along the way. So that has completely transformed my productivity. So that's not necessarily related just to teaching, but just productivity, getting things done one way or another. Another one that I just discovered in the past few weeks is called freeed.com. And no, it's not about a guy named Ed. Ed is short for education. And it's a website that brings teachers together from all over the world to share their lesson plans and ideas with everyone else for free. And I discovered it when I attended an ELT lesson jam together. And it was amazing seeing what other teachers are doing in their classes, as well as sharing what I'm doing and getting feedback from other teachers. So what they do is after that, they will have a blog post summarizing the key ideas that people have shared. And everyone just shares their ideas and what they've done on freeed.com. And everyone that I found there is focused on giving to others and helping others, right? So there's really this emphasis on giving, you know, people aren't really in it for, you know, trying to get students or things like that. And I haven't noticed any advertisements of services. I don't really see any spam, which I think you do start to see in Facebook groups. And I haven't had too much time to explore it yet, but I did find a great lesson plan about superstitions from around the world that ties in with the first conditional. So the website is free to sign up. I'll put a link in the show notes if anyone's interested in checking it out. So beyond that, there are so many websites that have small things I've used or that I've heard about but haven't gotten around to fully exploring yet. So these are things like WordWall, Flipgrid, 
liveworksheets.com, Forvo, Uglish, and more. So if you just visit the show notes from our previous episodes, you'll find plenty of these things to explore. And part of me feels like I'm a bad teacher for not having explored these things fully, but I really try to cut myself some slack and recognize that I can't use every single tool out there. So I know that was a mouthful. That was a lot of information. What about you, Jose Luis? What are your top resources from the year? Well, yeah, Danny, like you said, as a sort of teacher's survival kit for this year, we have Zoom, you know, and we've been using that for lessons, you know, professional meeting and also just to catch up with friends. Google Docs, I think I've been using it for handouts and assignments, you know, like to be completed online. Google Forms for surveys and tests. And I think, let's say, lots of colleagues have told me that they are using Google Forms for, for tests because they're really easy to grade, you know, and it allows you to have everything in just like one place. So I think that's that, that's very interesting. And those resources are, let's say, have been key to our teaching job this year. For me, Daniel, the top one resource besides the one that I just mentioned is Screencast-O-Matic because that has allowed me to record videos that I've used for class. For example, a video presentation for my students as a, a supplementary material, you know, like a, a five-minute video sometimes, sometimes, you know, a 15-minute video or something I've, I've really enjoyed giving uh, is video video feedback, you know, especially for writing tasks. And I think we we, we discussed this in, our, in a previous episode. Uh, like essays, you know, research projects that, that require more detailed feedback. You know, like uh, being able to talk to this uh, with a microphone, of course, like talk, talking to the screen and explaining some errors or suggest some changes with the videos much better and nicer than just writing a comment. You know, that to me, that's very impersonal. You know, it's like change this word. So for me, that's much better uh, in my humble opinion, of course. The second thing is youglish.com that I uh, we've also mentioned in class. I mean, that I also mentioned in this, uh, in this podcast. I use that resource in class regularly to teach pronunciation and word stress. Students really enjoy using it in class, you know, like or just to practice listening skills or since you can choose the language variety, uh, US, UK or Australian, they can also learn about different varieties of English, you know. So, Daniel. Excellent. Yeah. And so, yeah, looking at this, um, you make a really good point with Screencast-O-Matic uh, because when we're speaking, we can communicate, you know, through our tone of voice. That also carries a lot of communication you know, uh, which I don't think you can do necessarily if you're just typing comments into a Google document. And yeah, Youglish, you know, having those varieties of English that you can talk about, I think that's great. You know, and that's something I really want to start incorporating more into my classes. Absolutely. So Daniel, our next question is an important one. What things have sparked joy in this first year of the podcast for you? That is a good question. So I think obviously the collaboration of the podcast as a whole has sparked an immense amount of joy in me. So I tend to work on my own. So the idea of collaborating and creating something that's bigger than me and you know serving a greater purpose, it has been very, very fulfilling. Um, other things I think is seeing how we can connect to people virtually and how we can be creative about how we make things work. And I think we only managed to record about four or five episodes in person before we had to start recording remotely. Yeah, and like I said before, Daniel, like for me, one of my favorite things has been the fact that we're still doing the podcast together. And I think I mentioned this to you when we were thinking of doing this project together. I remember like reading somewhere that most people who start a podcast drop out after seven or eight episodes. So I'm really proud that we're recording episode 24 today. Mm -hmm. And also the fact that we started interviewing people, something positive about this year. And so far we have two interviews and we're planning on doing many more in the future. And the good thing is that people are really happy to participate and that makes me really happy as well. 
Definitely, yeah. I think the interviews that we've had so far have, have been great. And it's great getting to know their teachers and getting other perspectives and learning from other people's experiences. So, Daniel, this takes us to our last question. What are you looking forward to in 2021 already? Well, that is such a great question. I almost don't know where to start. First off, getting the vaccine. After that, having a 10-year celebration since I arrived in Chile that I didn't get to have this year. So I arrived February 18, 2010. My plan was to have a celebration in March of 2020. And that did not happen. So I'd like to do that, you know, when it, whenever it's safe. And then I think little things like going out to eat in restaurants, going to coffee shops, video game nights with friends, board game nights with friends, and also traveling as a tourist. And this is one thing that I think uh, people that are teaching freelance can relate to. There are about half of my students that I'm currently teaching that I have never met in person. So once it's safe, I'm so looking forward to getting to meet them. So, yeah, what about you, Jose Luis? What are you looking forward to in 2021? Absolutely. I think one thing you just mentioned, I think I also have like uh, some private students that I haven't really met in person. That's very strange, you know, because we have developed a bond, you know, over the, mm -hmm. I don't know, over the year, but it's, uh, I haven't really met them. I think one of them is lives in Talca. His name is Ricardo and he's going to take the IELTS. He already registered for the exam. So he is coming to Santiago and that's going to be the first time that I'm actually, if, if possible, that where I'm going to meet up with him. So, and also, like you said, I like the way you put it. I almost don't know where to start. It's very difficult to think of this, but I would say that I'm really looking forward to traveling, you know, after getting the, 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 after getting the vaccine, of course. There are many places that I would like to visit. You know, my, if I think of, um, of places, I would think of Japan, Vietnam, Mexico. Again, I would love to go to Mexico again. Brazil and many other places, you know. I really like traveling, so I, that's something I'm really looking forward to. And I would really like to go back to working in coffee shops. And I know that we both enjoy that. And of course, being able to meet people in person, you know, like uh, going to restaurants, like you said. And of course, playing football again with my friends. Definitely, definitely. So while I think this has been an incredibly hard year, focusing on what we have to look forward to, I think, gives us hope. And will hopefully spark some joy that we can look forward to in the future. So this now takes us to our last segment for today, a teaching demerit and a teaching gold star. So we haven't talked much about teaching demerits and gold stars in a while, but they are something we wanted to include given it's the anniversary episode. So I actually have a teaching demerit for today. Looking back at this year, the racial injustice and the murder of African-Americans is something that has still left an impression on me. George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, um, there are just so many people that have been affected by this. Not only them, but families, friends. And like countless number of people, I wanted to start educating myself and do what I can to end racial injustice on an individual level. So starting out, I had a lot of enthusiasm and drive when the news of George Floyd murders happened. But I'm giving myself this teaching demerit for not following through. I still have documentaries and series saved to my Netflix account that I haven't watched, and I think that not watching them shows that I'm settling back into the reality of the privilege that I have as a white male. And I feel like that's something I need to pay attention to and be cognizant of. So I feel the need to give myself this teaching to merit and do better going into the new year. 
So, Jose Luis, can you bring us up with a teaching gold star? We've said it before, Daniel, but we need to say it again. All of the teachers out there that are making things work as best as possible for their students and all of the listeners out there deserve a big teaching gold star because we're there trying to make things work, you know, and this is people expect, let's say, teachers to make things work, but we need help. We need support, you know, and I think in a way students have been really understanding of the situation. And um, so I would really like to recognize the the work of teachers uh, in every country. In addition to that, Daniel, I think that everybody knows that this has been one of the most difficult years for all of us for and many good things, but many good things have also happened. One of them has been the fact that we've been given the chance to present and share our knowledge and experiences through webinars. And one of those institutions is TESOL Chile. And I know that they are trying really hard to help English teachers in Chile, teachers who don't usually have the chance to attend conferences and seminars because of their tight schedules or because of the cost involved. So TESOL Chile has been organizing these events for free, usually on a Friday afternoon, right? And I'm really proud to have contributed to their initiatives. So please, a big round of applause for TESOL Chile and all their committee members, especially Barbara Echard, who was kind enough to invite us both to present and share what we do. Yes, a big teaching gold star for TESOL Chile and Barbara. So that's it for this episode of VLT in Chile. We hope you enjoyed our first ever anniversary episode and the last episode of 2020. You can visit us at www.eltinchile.com and you can also follow us and leave a review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you have any comments or questions about the podcast, you can write us at podcast at eltinchile.com. Again, that's podcast at eltinchile.com. So I'm Jose Luis Poblete. And I'm Daniel Gwen. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, stay kind, and keep, keep on teaching. On teaching.